0: Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers and really delighted to share with you this week's guest mentor Stephen Sutcliffe and interesting fact about Stephen is Stephen is the head of probably the largest finance and accounting shared services team in the world. And that's because Stephen's organization supports the United Kingdom's National Health Service. And in particular, what's actually great about having Stephen on the show today is that, look, he's not only an award-winning finance leader and his team last year won Finance Team of the World, the CFO and Finance of the Future Summit, but he's very open in sharing how he started his career as an accountant and his deliberate strategy to progress over the last 25 plus years within the healthcare industry. Also his why and reasons for for doing this and what motivates him. I really appreciate his comment about the importance of having strong technicals to build a successful finance career upon and how important teamwork, mentorship and leadership was in in reaching our full potential in organisations. Then we get into some more practical areas as well around how we can bring our value and skills to benefit our organizations, whether they be public or private sector, and also the influence and impact of technology on the future of finance as well. So we cover an awful lot. I had great fun, really enjoyed a uh, conversation with Stephen. And if you did as well, you can check out the timestamp show notes, transcripts, ways to connect with Stephen, resources recommended and more at and as always really appreciate it when you recommend the show to friends and colleagues We're on all the major platforms iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify and Amazon Music. Thanks again for tuning in that's enough for me so without further ado over to Stephen and the show. Stephen welcome to the show. Good to be here. It's our pleasure to have you, and I really enjoyed our, our last chat, and I'm looking forward to this one as well. But for audience, Stephen, some of them may not be as familiar with your journey in your career. So would you mind maybe sharing your story in accounting and finance, please?
1: Yeah, of course. So I went to university in in, in Liverpool and did a, a business studies degree. I thought that was quite wide. Always good at maths, so thought I'd get into finance at some point. But I did a year out at an engineering company, and that gave me the 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 buzz to work in financial, commercial, marketing, sales, finance as part of that year out. And I really um, solidified my desire to be an accountant. So when I got to the to the end of my university, I'd, I had two choices following university to go on to graduate schemes. I had the graduate scheme in Tetley's Brewery which is local and doesn't exist anymore, sadly, and the NHS. For some reason, I turned down free beer and decided <laughs> to join the NHS graduate scheme. I think some of my social constants and social values probably kicked in at, at that point in time. So I joined the graduate scheme from a fairly early age, For my career, was wanted to be a director of finance. I was really clear about wanting to be a director of finance within and then generally because the skills that you've got from an accountant's point of view, what you can bring to the business, a benefit you can bring to to, a, to an organisation, so made very deliberate and direct movements during my career that got me to be a director of finance. I was relatively young for for then, and then spent 15 years as a director of finance in the in the NHS. Then about five years ago, I moved to a a national shared service uh, provider, so I used to be a client of NHS Shared Business Services, which is my current employee, and thought I could do a better job than than they were doing to me at the the time and the opportunity to join and, and I've really loved it over the last five years
0: actually, it seems like there's a very deliberate path there and whatever. First up though, Stephen, and I have to question your career choices as an accountant, turning down free beer. I mean, come on, us accountants love free things. But for some of our audience, I think a lot of us have heard of the NHS... Um, actually i wouldn't be around if it wasn't for the nhs the the uk national health service because my parents met in hospital there my father was a paramedic mother was a nurse so you know the rest of the story is history as they say but in terms of the national health service would you i maybe sort of describing that organization for some of our audience who may not be as familiar
1: yeah absolutely so as you said andrew it's Deep in the heart of the public, in, in the British public, and, and everybody knows somebody or something always touched by the NHS at some point in their life. It's, it's our health service. It's fairly unique in, in world terms because it's funded by the taxpayer and, and therefore uh, free at the point of delivery. Many countries, of course, are private insurance based. So that's partly why we're proud of it because we're paying for it as a taxpayer. But it's a huge. It's the third largest employee in, in the world. I think 1.5, 1.6 million people uh, work in, in the National Health service that's the direct doctors nurses and, and support services but also of course it's many suppliers linking into that and about 120 billion pounds worth of our, our tax is spent on the nhs every year and it's always been uh, an important uh, part of as i say a british culture but during the last for those that remember the 2012 I and mean, in ceremony olympics the nhs was bright and, and blue in in the, in the opening ceremony of the 2012 olympics in london and and during covid19 and the pandemic it has has been a phenomenal response and it has been i've always been proud to work for the nhs but particularly in the last 12 months
0: yeah it's an organization that i suppose it's probably still relatively young but it's grown to be such a huge employer and occupy a part in the british psyche so that's incredible going so finding your career in there and, and having your most of your career journey there Stephen, must have um, thrown up some interesting challenges yet opportunities as well
1: What I get from working in the NHS is very much that putting something back. I get up every morning for two main reasons. One for my mum. My mum's thankfully still with us but I want to do all I can in the NHS. She has had treatment of course and when she goes and has an experience in the NHS I want to help and contribute to, to that experience and, and Charlie, my stepson, has got an acquired brain injury. He's got meningitis when he was younger so, so he's often in care or, or in, getting services from, from the NHS. A very personal reason but and therefore for me as, as an accountant You know, you've got the sort of traditional accounting, financial accounting, doing the technical side, but it was always the wanting me to be the business partner and adding value. And my standouts legacy moments that I look back on and have are impacted on things. So I was instrumental in chemotherapy services, moving into local communities. And I'm really proud of, of that. I was the senior responsible officer for a, a huge health centre building programme, a PFI a private finance initiative uh, within the health service. So, so those are the sort of the, the key moments that I remember as, as I look back on my career.
0: Yeah, I think what's very important for audience and, and you did mention them, is having great reasons for taking a particular career path. And I think once you've got great reasons, you'll tend to get great results. Uh, So so you pick some good reasons there, Stephen. But I I suppose you also mentioned you were quite deliberate in your choices and you were aspiring to be a finance director. So for our audience, some are on a a similar journey in themselves career wise. What sort of things should they be focusing on if they want to be a finance director in, in today's modern finance organizations?
1: Yeah, so I, I think there's two levels to that for me. I, I think there's definitely do the technical, be a good accountant. You know, I think that those foundations are really, really important. I, I remember one of my first placements, I was working in management accounting and doing some journals and and I was told, just balance the journal off by writing to this code. Okay. So I, I gleefully followed that advice. And then my next placement took me into financial accounts and the financial accountant said, management accounts, you just dump things to the debtors and creditors. accounts, And I have no idea when I'm trying to do my balance sheet reporting what this is all about. And suddenly, so having views and, and aspects of different parts of the of, of account, but really having that fundamental foundation. When I was on the training um, scheme, it's a great training scheme. You've got opportunities to meet chief execs and be on development courses and, and, all, and all that fabulous stuff. But lots of people qualified as an accountant and I'm not sure they were a good accountant. They, they passed their exams, but hadn't had some of that real life doing final accounts I was really fortunate to do final accounts do all the working papers all of that was really, really important so it gave me a really strong foundation and therefore when you are a, an FD and if it, I say my interest is more in the business side of things and what can I use my analytical skills for, for the business but at the end of the day you have to sign off a, a set of accounts or you have to understand what you what's being presented and you, can, you have to ask, ask the daft questions and I think it's really important that you so I look for various roles various experience in, in roles various types of organizations NHS is Collections collection of many organisations and, and look for there for different types of organisations, roles, people, different types of organisations was what drove me and always doing my boss's job. So if, if you're go, doing your boss's yeah. job, then guess what? When you go through the interview, you can absolutely stand there and say, it's not theoretical that I can do this. I've actually done this and here's my experience for, for doing this.
0: It's actually interesting when people are looking to make their way to the next level, Stephen, and it's just like there's a glaring opportunity in front of them. Not to take their boss's job per se, but to do it and demonstrate it. Because that may be an option in the future, but it may also be, so I've practically done the line manager's role already, just in another team in a safe environment. I feel I'm ready to make the next step. That's actually quite a clever bit of advice. I mean, how did sort of what sort of things could people do for their line managers or their
1: bosses? Yeah, so I, I, th- I think if, if you've got a good line managers and I, I can pick out those individuals that have, have inspired me or influenced my career, I'd hope you can have a, a line manager you can speak to and talk about your development and, and talk about what your future is. I'd suggest if you haven't got that sort of line manager and then question, question, question where you are and look elsewhere. Because I think if you've got people that I often find, if you ask the question, I'd quite like to get involved in that project or that's an interest. Most people say, fantastic. Because you want to see people develop, you want to see people flourish, the majority of people want to see that and also say fantastic somebody's going to take that off me and they're going to do that for me even better so I can do because it, it's uh, they'll also be wanting to move and do other things as well so uh, lifting the lid is something that's been described to me in, in the past how do you as an individual when you're in a leadership point of view lift the lid I step up and enable others to step in into that so I think yeah. you've got responsibility I have responsibility now to lift my lid so others can step into that but you can also push that lid
0: and actually just um, because we also have leaders, finance leaders listening into the show as well, it's like some might be, you know, I, I suppose I could probably relate to some stage of my earlier career. I'd be frightened someone maybe taking my job as a leader if you're lifting the lid, Stephen. But actually, as I've sort of grown a bit older, probably a bit more confident, I'm not exactly frightened. I actually think it's a good thing. It sort of creates a vacuum behind for people to suck people into. So they're all sucked up a level. And um, it's actually a good problem to have. But from your perspective, Every sort of any worries or or what do you think about when you lift the lid? What does that mean for you as a leader? Are you going to put yourself out of a job, or is it an opportunity to reinvent yourself?
1: I- I very much see it as a life time. I, I think if you're worried about losing your job, then I think there's under, there's underpinning things that you don't think you're good enough generally. And, you know, good people will survive and they, they will succeed. And you will develop others, uh, push you on. But as I say, it enables you to then go and do the things that you really want to be doing. What do you want to get up every morning to do? And and it, and it probably isn't the running the project or doing some <laughs> of the technical things. It, it will be something. So I think it's beneficial in many ways. I, I quite like quotes and you'll see many quotes about that leadership piece is all about the bringing up, bringing up, bringing up of others and being confident in yourself actually, you know, what you're only as good as people gather around you. And therefore, if you put amazing people around you, how good do you look? So be confident in that and, and build the team around you that are absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, when I started, I believed in the strong foundation, so I did my stints in, in audit, I did them in, in accounts payable, receivables, general accounting, I, I, I did a lot of that, and it's great to actually have that practical experience, because I feel that would a bit older, you could share those stories to people who might have missed those gaps, but nothing, nothing, nothing replaces that, but to your point, we're only good at the teams of the people we surround ourselves with, there's now people in my team that know a lot more about things in finance than I do. And that's a really novel situation because I was normally the guy who was going out there getting the expertise. But like, we wouldn't be as successful as we are without that situation of having people who know more than us. So how do you sort of make the break from the focus on the technical to doing all the other things that a leader needs to do to become a great leader? Sort of any tips on how to, yes, build on the strong foundations, but not get sucked back into the technical side of things?
1: Yes, I think for me, I've got a lot of value from coaching and mentoring relationships, whether they be formal or, or informal, but I'd really encourage you to, and, and that's, for me, it's always been two or three or four individuals who are providing a different role. I really value coach, genuine coaches that have got no idea about finance and can come and, and, and coach me and, and talk to me about some of my formative years. Good, strong mentors that were able to give advice was really important. I think also getting yourself out into the business, one of the benefits I find with an accountant and the professionalism that brings, you have a level of respect, certainly in the NHS, which is quite a professional organization. Suddenly you're talking to doctors who are also professionals and qualified, and you've got a mutual professional respect. And therefore, you're starting to, you know, how do you make sure you're talking at that sort of common language, same layer, mutual respect? getting trust and and starting to express your opinion you, you, um, you know most accountants are fairly bright articulate logical and can add value to an argument a conversation a decision and I, once people see that you're bringing yourself to that and not just all i'm interested in is the money because you won't be <laughs> you know i would always encourage all whether in finance hr sales what can i do to help the business succeed not what are the 99 reasons why you shouldn't do something what's the one reason why you can help the business succeed
0: yeah, and so it's a bit of a shift in mindset away from our technicals, but using the technical to help us use it as a strong positioning tool, I guess, yeah. to allow us to go and help businesses succeed and add value, as you say. And actually talking of value, I think it could be an interesting area to share with our audience, Stephen, is, you know, as you said, the National Health Service, NHS, is taxpayer funded. So it's not 100% reliant on external commercial streams and paying customers per se. It's more taxpayers of the clients and so on. Mm. So how do you... Demonstrate that value in those types of organizations because some of our listeners work in that background but some a lot of us like myself don't have that experience so what are some cool or, or quick ways to, to go around and demonstrate that value we can help towards business success
1: yes and I think learnings across both commercial and, and public sector organizations of value I, I think for me it was that personal thing. That this is my money therefore how would I best spend this money you know would I think I'm getting some value from this or, or, or yeah your real ownership of this we, we described in, in a number of organizations that have Worked for worked in Warrington, the Warrington pound. So for every pound of taxpayers, how do we best spend that? And you then look at that pie chart and go, oh, it's all been spent over here. Well, shouldn't it be all be spent over here? Well, what's the outcomes that you're getting for that? Okay. I, I think you can then start to, you know, r- really be clear about for every pound spent, what we're doing for improving health, population outcomes, or, or patient experience, and the like. And of course, the public scrutiny is there. The, there's various in value for money approaches in. in the auditors will come and do both from the assessment and things so i think external assurance is always helpful at the, at the right time to put the mirror back to you so you can do as, as much for yourself but having a good board good Excellent, non-exec yeah. good external assurance i think is real important
0: yeah i think people shouldn't be taken the fact that it's public sector there's actually a lot of similar mechanisms you'd find in any uh, yeah. shareholder owned or partnership or whatever so i think that's a key point to make and i think it's because i don't really have this experience but people in your experience transitioning between the two public sector to the private private the public sector what will allow you to be successful in one and bring bring the tools into into another one is there any sort of tips for people transition that you've seen in your career those that have done it well
1: yeah so it's, it's interesting because um i'm a sit for qualified individual and i have that whole you can only work in the public sector because you sit for and, <laughs> and, and seem as this and we, we have yeah. the battle of the accountancy uh, bodies <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I've forgotten probably about what I learned. Yeah. I, I know it all far too many years ago. Now, the, the organisation I work with now is, is it's actually a joint venture, business services, with 50% owned by the Department of Health and 50% owned by a French technology uh, <laughs> no company. Um, so and you get this mindset from both private sector people are like this, public sector people are like this, public sector all like ads like and not innovative and not thought. And uh, guess what? There are some people like that. And there are some people, are people, aren't they, I, I guess? Yeah. Uh, if you're innovative, if, if you're a good leader, if you're showing value to the organisation, if you're delivering and executing things, if you personally add in value that any good organization, the further you go in your career, you become less, you know, you have an accountancy qualification and, and that gives you that credibility, but you are whoever you are and you bring the skills of you as an individual to that organization.
0: Yeah, great answer, Stephen. And you mentioned technology in there as well. I just want to touch on it quickly, how technology is enriching our roles. Like, I think you're a big fan of technology yeah. from our last conversation. Yeah. What's working well for you on, on technology and, and maybe what could work better for us in, in the
1: future? Yeah, so I love technology gadgets at home, big Apple fan. If you want to send me some free stuff, that would be fantastic.
0: <laughs> well, we have a location here in Cork, in Ireland, see what we can do.
1: <laughs> but I, I think I, I often describe 25 years as an accountant, it's not really changed too much in that time probably not changed since 1700 and something when bookkeeping was first invented but technologies it's changing and, and we sit here today um, having a podcast over zoom with or teams or whatever we might be doing who would have thought that 12 months ago and obviously technology is ramped up on, on the back of covid 19 and, and the pandemic but i'm massively passionate about automating as much as we can We're got a big robotic automation program that, that we're driving uh, forward I can watch l- lyrical about RPA but what's really exciting for because I, I described that as a bit of macros on steroids our vendors don't like me saying that but that's how I sort of see <laughs> it is, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah you get the image mental image like yeah it is yeah where, where are you finding the best value at the moment from applying that RPA anyway? yeah,
1: it's, yeah I mean it really is that we've got because we're shared service doing a lot of transactional work you know repetitive work but it's a really clear because of the scale that we're at, as well so we're big organization processing lots of things and i think that naturally comes with rpa but we've got other aspects of ocr and a bit of ml and even good quality macros are still you know got their place in things yeah and i'm really excited about genuine ai i think that's coming in the next five years and i'm trying to work out how i can use blockchain in finance i've not quite yet understood blockchain or or worked out but i'd love that's my next uh, challenge
0: yeah, by the way, we are actually searching for speakers and who can help demystify where the blockchain can be applied because we can still see ourselves. We're sort of seeing it in like supply chain, Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but not necessarily finance yeah. yet. So yeah, I think there's probably some opportunity here. It's yeah. um, important to kick the tires on it because there might be a lot of value. We just don't know for sure. But uh, I'm equally excited about the machine learning and maybe some property. I love someone just giving you that other perspectives, someone to bounce things off. This is what the AI is seeing in the data. What do you think, decision maker? You know, and it's like, is that realistic or not? And it's refining the models. But uh, yeah, like, put it this way, anything that's going to help us do the transactional piece faster. Uh, and again, for those of you who worked in the day, back in the days of reconciling supplier statements... And, creditors and stuff like that no this is a lifesaver but then you can analyze the data now yes the data is all in one place allows us and, and let's move up the value ladder so actually it's giving us a chance to be help business more towards their yeah. deliver more successful outcomes
1: and that, that's yes. the point for me it's, it's not about getting rid of transactional, getting rid of those people that is actually you know what those people are absolutely capable of adding insight into into data that's our skills isn't that we are analytical people in at our core if we can analyze that and then provide some genuine insight that helps the business do whatever the business is you are definitely adding more value than than just moving pieces of paper or electronic things (laughs) around the system
0: (laughs) So <laughs> Talking to it, I remember I was in one role. It was very paper-based, moving paper around the system. Literally, we were paper pushers. And the, the fact of the matter is I had health and safety complaints me because we hadn't reported enough accidents at work. I said, what do you mean? Well, surely you got all this paper. You must have more paper cuts than you're reporting. It's like you you want me to report paper cuts. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It also reduces paper, right, and reduces paper cuts. So, so there's a health and safety angle there that people don't get. So health and safety all the way. But the, <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a great, no, a great conversation, Stephen. Look, I appreciate all the great advice you've given us. I mean, in terms of yourself, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I, I, I think be at the table would be what i mean by that is, is you're part of that decision making process and people value your contribution to that rather than being seen as an advisor with part of the post be part of the decision making be at the table because that's when you can influence things yeah i agree
0: completely Stephen. and actually this is interesting for i suppose for those that us been around and developed that trust and being at the table is probably a bit easier people know who we are and what we're about for, for younger members coming along having to deal with zoom and teams Yeah, and, not being in the same room at the table but being more virtually at the table yeah any tips that you're seeing are working well for folks to be that uh, trusted uh, advisor, sparring partner?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I like it's is, it is certainly harder now in, in, in to wander down the office to you and see the bright sparks. <laughs> yeah. And you could see the bright sparks. And I think it is very, very good. I, th- I think that there's still things you can still volunteer. You can still do a great pieces of work. You know, if you do a great piece of work, you will get noticed. Yeah. And I think that would, I would always encourage that. Come back to my early point, you know, take on a little bit more, take on some responsibility, or just volunteer for things. You know, you're, we've got employee engagement networks or we've got social networks it doesn't have to be directly in a accountancy but just getting your visibility and present that's a really good way of describing it that's
0: yeah because like you know you could have all these great skills great value to offer but if you're not present no one's going to know about it and like i, th- I like the volunteering angle sometimes yeah. that's what it takes to break through i've seen that work loads and loads actually people yeah. volunteering for projects it gets you more exposure and yes it's more work but you know what it's, it's actually really good investment it
1: is, it is. Um, definitely so good call
0: out Stephen and I suppose in terms of yourself any particular resources or books you might recommend our audience go check out
1: I've been reading quite like autobiographies, sports, so I, I'm very much, a, my leadership things come, often come from sports, cycling. I was you know, in Beresford and uh, Steve Peters and his chimps, I, I think is a, is a great book. I think the most recent one that I, I read, I'm just in the middle of reading the Everything Store about Jeff Bessos, but a, a view of his life. and yeah. am particularly a person now that he's this, I'm not sure that he'll ever leave Amazon, but that was really good. I really valued that and found insightful in terms of that reflection reflection back. And I think I just getting a in a book just enables you to think about how that applies to yourself.
0: Yeah, it's, it's actually a really great form of mentoring, I find, like virtual mentoring. Yeah. It's just that reading those autobiographies, sports or business. It's great. I read one by Mark Benahoff recently, salesforce.com. Yeah. Because I wanted to get that perspective. How do you bring new technology forward? If, and to see how could you apply that in an organization as yeah. well? So it's great. Is and, and getting lost in it. It's yeah. like you can find, oh my God, I actually really enjoy the stories. The way they can tell their stories yeah. is unreal. I know, like, probably editors and whatever, but yeah. still, though.
1: You know, in terms of impacts, Storytelling is that we all love stories, we all listen to stories, we all engage more, don't we? When people tell stories, um, and the Jeff bezos I learned lots about all his failures, phenomenal amount of failures that he's, he's experienced. You know, when you talk about this, where people get to the top, guess what? They've, they've been successful all their life, well, they haven't. He's really pushed the boundaries of taking risks and making failures, and also. Having various leadership models, but another piece of advice I got is frame your thinking in some sort of model, uh, whatever yes. model that is. But you've got some sort of it's a bit like the accountancy foundation, you've got that foundation to build from, and, and then make it I read a digital information about why digital transformations fail. And there's some fantastic little key to points about what you should, what, what you shouldn't do. And that's really just helped me, my thinking.
0: It's great. That's a lot. I love that point about frameworks. It was like I felt like until I had some frameworks that I was sort of like going. I'm not really directing my efforts in the right way per se. And it's so easy as you use the frameworks again and refine them. You can just rely on them. I'm not saying it's automatic, but it actually puts a structure in how you engage in your conversations or how you look at things. I gave him down to the, the the RP, that's how I explain, allows you to move up the value ladder. You got this idea of a ladder, and you provide different yeah, yeah, of yeah, value yeah. on the ladder by yeah. asking different questions. Yeah. You build the right foundations, it allows you to move up the, the ladder. Yeah. And people get that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's just like trying to make those analogies. Uh, I think analogies is a good yeah, one yeah. for explaining stuff to people as well, <laughs> storytelling wise. I, That's I, think, worked I, think
1: very well. I think, you know, and I mean, it gets, guess what happens when you see a ladder? A ladder appears right yeah, in front of me. You know. I actually see the and ladder you're and not I see you walking <laughs> so, and I'm a visual person. So. Yeah,
0: yeah so, so, you know, exactly. Yeah. Just So I think reflecting on, on what you can do and your skills and trying to put them in some sort of framework so you can access them quickly. And, and speed matters a lot nowadays as well in helping people reach the right decision faster. You know, if it comes to a choice of both making the right decision and one person does it faster than the other one, then, you know, all things being equal, where are you going to put your money yeah. behind it? So I've enjoyed the conversation, so Me I'll keep too. an eye on the time. <laughs> so, so it's like, you know, but uh, anyway, so I suppose, look, in terms of if, if others in our audience wish to c- continue the conversation, where's the best way to connect with you at?
1: So, um, fairly active on twitter i like my tweets and more than happy to connect through linkedin uh, of course or if people just want to email me happy to share that as well andrew and and i'm happy to pick up either a face-to-face conversation or, or respond by email more than happy to if people want to reach out.
0: Awesome. And we'll put those details in the show notes that go up with this episode. And Stephen, look, I really appreciate our conversation. It sort of bounced away from your career (laughs) uh, story into sort of being present. And uh, just a great advice in about technology and where we're going, adding value, uh, delivering on outcomes, helping businesses be successful. We've covered a lot. Before we wrap up, any sort of parting thoughts for our audience?
1: I've really enjoyed that. I think be the person you want to be and go after your dreams would be my advice
0: okay well, well let's wrap it up there i love it i love it sure. so stephen thank you so much for coming on strength the numbers today being a great guest mentor you're welcome so there you have it hope you enjoyed today's show if you'd like to know more about our guests today their bio and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. there you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows read the latest blogs